Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. I want to spend just a couple of minutes today introducing our new sermon series to you. We're not going to get too far in today, but I did want to introduce it to you. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, or maybe it's your first time to church or first time to church in a while, and you're like, oh, I left that left that Bible in, in a box in my attic. Um, hey, I want to encourage you, pull your phones out. Lucky for you, there's an app for that. And uh, we can pull that out and uh, you can check that out with us. We're going to be in the book of 1 John today. That is all the way towards the back of your Bible. If you've gotten to 2 John, you've gone too far. Uh, Third John and Revelation. That's it. That's the only thing. Uh, okay, if anything else, keep going. It's all the way towards the back. Uh, don't make this common mistake. A lot of people will go to the book of John or the gospel of John, and, uh, and that is a different book, okay? A great book, but a different book. Same author, same dude, different, different book. We're looking for First John, so it needs to have that little number one in front of it, First John chapter one. And we're just going to read the first few verses this morning. Um, and I just want to introduce the book because over the next month, month and a half, we're going to spend some time in this book together, unfolding it, looking through it, figuring out, man, what is God speaking to us or have to say to us um, through this letter? Um, and so I wanted to kind of first start off with um, <laughs> asking, man, um, why would we study the book of First John? Like, what's important about it? Or why would we spend some time in this? Like, out of all the books we could have picked, you know? You're like, man, I'm so glad you didn't pick, like, Leviticus, but First John? Like, that seems a little ran random, right? Um, so let me tell you a couple of things. Number one is uh, we want to know the life, the love, and the light of Jesus Christ. And those are the major themes of the, of the book of First John, that Jesus is life, Jesus is love, and Jesus is light. And, uh, and man, when we study this book, we're going to learn those themes throughout of who Jesus Christ is. And guys, this is really important in a day where we are tempted to believe all sorts of crazy stuff about Jesus. Like, um, I mean, it doesn't take long, a search on the internet, a, another book, a quick watch of a YouTube video. It does not take long for us to maybe get an idea of Jesus that is not true. Okay. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, this week, I got to go see my barber, and uh, I love getting to see my barber. John, if you're watching this, I love you so much. Uh, you did a great job this week. Um, anyway, I love John so much, and uh, he, uh, he sent me a video, and he was like, hey, man, somebody sent me this video on Instagram. It just doesn't sound right. Like, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, uh, it just, I don't like it. Like, it's, it's just kind of weird. And I was wondering if you could, like, watch it, let me know what you think, like, check it out. And so I, I watched it, and I got, like, about 2.5 seconds in. And uh, as soon as I heard the creepy music in the background, I was like, yeah, this is not going to be good. Um, and so uh, I, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then I saw who it was, and, and uh, it, it was a, a, you know, a false teacher. Uh, and so 
I just responded. I was like, yeah, man, I'm not going to watch it because I can go ahead and tell you like this is this. And, and he was like, no, but for real, he was like, let me send you my response because I'm going to tell my friend who sent that to me like about that because they need to know. Who, and so I was like, sure, I'll read your response. Well, I read his response. I was like, wow, that's really well written. And I was like, that kind of makes me want to watch the video and see what it's about. So I did. Um, I watched the, watched the video and it was it was crazy. It was just weird. And, uh, and so I, I, was like, uh, I was like, yeah, man, no, you're right on. Your response is right on. It's good that it gave you the heebie-jeebies because um, it is wrong. Like what you're listening to, this preacher in the middle of a church service tell thousands of people is wrong. Like it's a lie about Jesus. And so if we're not careful, guys, we, we want to study the book of First John because we want to know Jesus, all right? We want to know who he is so that no matter what we read online, no matter what meme a friend sends to us or a reel that goes viral, we know exactly whether or not that is true. Uh, it's like one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you guys have ever read any C.S. Lewis. If not, he's a really great author. Um, but he says this, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord. That's it. Like he is either the greatest liar of all time or the craziest dude that ever lived, or he is the Lord. And that's it. That's our options with Jesus. So we want to do that. Obviously, we want to be able to recognize false teachers. And, uh, but also, we want to be full of God's joy. Like, we, as we read this, we want to know the joy of the Lord. Like, we want to be full of joy. We want to put our sin to death so we can be obedient to God. And, and guys, most of all, here's what I want for us over the next few weeks. I want us to grow in confidence and assurance of our salvation in Jesus. Like, I want you to grow so confident, man, I know God loves me. Like, no matter what kind of day I've had, no matter how many times I've fallen, no matter what has happened in my life, like, I am sure of this, like, God loves me. So, um, here's what you need to know as we, we're just going to read the first couple of verses today, but here's what you need to know about uh, the letter of First John. Um, number one, um, who do you think wrote it? Who wrote the book of First John? No, God did. But, he... <laughs> Every time you people fall for it. But he used the Apostle John to do it, okay? Uh, so, uh, very good. So, uh, the Apostle John, now that's really important because this is the John that you, like, imagine, okay? The, the John that is the disciple that becomes the Apostle John, like, uh, same, same John, all right? He also wrote Second John, Third John, the Gospel of John, and the Book of Revelation. So, good dude. Um, it was also this uh, book, a lot of times what we try to do right? Cause that is we try to read uh, something like the book of 1 John like a story, right? Because that's how, like Marie was talking about, like maybe academically to pull out the theological points, or maybe we read it as a story. Like however you usually read things, that's how we usually try to read the Bible. But you need to read it in its context, okay? If you're going to understand the Bible, you got to understand the context it was written so that you can get out of it what God is trying to tell you. So the book of 1 John, the context is John is writing it to a network of house church plants, okay? Um, uh, yeah, not house plants, but house church plants, okay? Uh, so John is writing this to uh, basically a bunch of church plants that are meeting in homes, scattered all throughout uh, what most people think the city of Ephesus. So that would be where the book of Ephesians was written, all right? So John, is, uh, he's, he's pretty old in his life right now, and we'll get to that in a sec, but um, he's, he's older. This is probably one of the last uh, letters that he's, 
he's written, um, going through, obviously, um, towards the end of his life. And so let's dive in. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Just underline that phrase, word of life, and write Jesus. Okay, he's referring to Jesus. Verse two, he's going to kind of give like a parenthesis. The life, again, that's Jesus, was made manifest and we've seen it and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Okay, now verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, that's God, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Our joy may be complete. So good. So if you want to know, like, why is this in the Bible? Why is this particular book, 1 John, in the Bible? It is because of verse 4. So that our joy may be complete. When he says the word our, he's not talking about just the apostles or just the leaders. He's talking about the church. So that everyone who follows Jesus, that our joy may be complete. So um, if you're taking notes, I just want to pull a few things out. You can hear that John is a really poetic writer. The problem is his poetry was really bad, like in worldly standards, not in godly standards. But I just mean like if you were to put it against like poetry, uh, poets and things like that, they would go, oh, that's, that's off and that's off. But, but he, was, he was a beautiful writer. And, and the way that God used him to pen and write this book is, is really cool. And so you may notice, man, he keeps saying like the same thing and the same thing. Well, if you were to read it in its original language, it would sound very beautiful and it, it would be very wonderful. And so let's dive in here. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, um, we want a passion to know Jesus. We want a passion to know Jesus, okay? And, and that's what we want. Like, you notice in, in verse 1, he talks about the word of life, and he's talking about, he, he refers to Jesus as life. In fact, um, he even talks about, I think it's in verse 2, the eternal life that we have in Christ. And that word eternal life, here's the thing. Most people think eternal life means life that lasts for a long time, okay? Oh, eternal life, that means heaven. That means I'm going to go to heaven. That's pretty cool. And that, oh, you're right. That is pretty cool. But here's the deal. Eternal life doesn't just mean the time of your life. Of your life. It means the quality of your life. Okay? So it's not just the quantity of your life. It is also the quality of your life. Eternal life, also from John 10, 10, um, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. That word abundant is the same word used for eternal in John 3, 16, where he says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal or everlasting life. Those are the same words, abundant and everlasting. In fact, the Greek word is Zoe, which is where we got the name for our daughter. And so that's the word there that John uses, all right? Abundant life, eternal life life. That's why Jesus came, and that's who Jesus is. And so we want a passion for that. We want a, a passion to know this life, to know this Jesus. Now, here's the, here's the thing that's happening. In the church at the time, there was a little bit of division. Now, this is about 
gosh, I don't know, I would say probably about 60, 70 years after Jesus left the earth, or after Jesus' ministry, okay? So John is older in age. Um, you got about 60 years later, which means it's possible John is talking to like three generations within the church, which means there are people in the church that are two generations removed from Jesus walking on the earth. Isn't that crazy? And so now you've got all these people who Jesus walking on the earth is just the story their grandfather told. It's just the story they heard when they went to their grandparents' house. It'd be the equivalent, if you're a millennial, of hearing about World War II, right? Like, like it's just, it's something that happened, but you're so far removed, it just seems like it's way out, way beyond. And, and that's what's happening. So John is like, no, I got to get you guys straight, because I'm hearing some murmurs in the church of people talking about Jesus. And when you're talking about Jesus, some of the stuff you're saying is... Um, is wrong. And so there were these people called the Gnostics that were hanging out, and they, they were real popular in ancient Greek life. And, and basically, I, I won't go into the details. You, can, you guys can Google it. I, I want to teach more about the Bible than, than I do about the Gnosticism. But basically, that, that's why John sat down to write this book. He was like, man, they are trying to convince you that Jesus was either not fully God or he was not fully human. Like they're either trying to convince you, yes, Jesus was fully human and he was a good human and he did really cool things and God worked through him, but he was not fully God. He was just a man, just a human, just like us. And then you had other Gnostics who were going, no, 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 Jesus was fully God. Like he was, there's no way he could have done that stuff without being God. It's just he wasn't a real human. He, he was, he, that wasn't real flesh, real human, like Okay, like it's not like it could be confusing to a church where everybody is a new believer. Okay, like it's not like there's people that are like, oh, my grandparents were followers of Jesus. I mean, it's like everybody's a new Christian in the church at this time. And so this was confusing. So John is like, nah, I, that's why he uses language. He, um, I imagine John, like if he were speaking this, he'd be sitting at, where are my Cracker Barrel fans at? Okay, all right, good. So, well, that's about half of our church. That's not good. Most of you need to become more Cracker Barrel fans. Okay. So, but the best part about Cracker Barrel is after you eat, going outside if it's a nice day, and sitting in the rocking chairs. Exactly. And so, I imagine John, old John at this point, 85 years old, sitting in his rocking chair, rocking back and forth, telling them, no, you got to listen to me. I heard him with my own ears. I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands. You got to listen to me. What I'm telling you about Jesus, for us today, and for generations to come, including thousands of years later, for us today, that's what that is. So listen, guys, throughout this journey of 1 John, we want to know, we want to have a passion to know Jesus more. Here's number two. Write this down. We want a passion to share Jesus with others. We want to have a passion to share Jesus with others. Um, that's why John is like, man, we proclaim this to you. We're proclaiming the gospel to you. Um, but he says we do this so that you can have fellowship. Okay, We want you to have fellowship. And that word fellowship in the Greek is a Greek word koinonia. And it, it means something really different than what we see as fellowship. Like, I don't know, I grew up in an old school uh, Baptist church where we didn't really have fellowship. We had a, a whole room in the church devoted to fellowship. You guys know what we called it? A fellowship 
hall. Like, okay, there's some uh, uh, church brats in the house today. Exactly. We had a fellowship hall, and that's where fellowship happened because we don't want to spill anything on the church carpet in the sanctuary. We'd much rather spill it on the carpet in the fellowship hall. And so that's, that's kind of what it was. It was this fellowship, and that's where fellowship happened. And, and then uh, now we've changed it. We don't have fellowship halls anymore, but you know what we got? Church lobbies. Exactly. No, we go, man, we're too modern and contemporary to have a fellowship hall, so we'll have a church lobby. It's the same thing. You got some coffee, you got some donuts, you got some people, and we have boiled down fellowship, koinonia, in the church to that. And guys, that's, that's not biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship is deeper than joining a sorority, okay? It's deeper than just being a part of a sports fan base. It's deeper than just getting together and having dinner once in a blue moon. Like, biblical fellowship is deeper. It is richer. It is having an uncommon unity with each other that makes us a family that is made up of every nation, language, and tribe. Like, that is deep. And when you have the blood of Jesus covering over your life, man, that even draws you together deeper than members of your own family who may not be followers of Jesus. Guys, this is why it's so important that we fellowship together, that we experience this uncommon unity together. Guys, honestly, this is why we have community groups. And we say this all the time, right? Um, We are not a church who offers community groups. We are a church, anybody know? Of community groups. Here's the difference. For us, fellowship is not a program that we offer. We're not forcing fun in this church, okay? Where it's like, you know, in college you join sororities or fraternities and you pay for your friends. And then you get older and you just have forced friends, you know? We're going to have some team building exercises at work this week. I think I've got COVID. Like, it's, it's just a different, you know, thing. And we're not, we're not here to force fun or force fellowship. Guys, no, we say we're not a church that offers community. Because community groups, guys, is how we fellowship. There's no way on a Sunday morning in a couple of hours in this room that we can accomplish biblical fellowship. But over time, meeting in each other's homes, sharing meals together, serving together, worshiping together, praying together, carrying one another's burdens, over time, we can develop a rich, deep sense of fellowship, koinonia, community that the world looks at and goes, man, I don't have that. I want that. And guys, that's why we started this church, and that's what we want. And so if you're not in a community group, like this is the easiest way during this series for you to plug in and and get get into some biblical fellowship. All right, here's the last thing um, that I want you to write down. We want a passion to enjoy our relationship with God. We want to develop a passion to enjoy our relationship with God. If you notice in verse 4, he says, I'm writing this to you so that your what may be complete. Anybody know? Your joy may be complete. I'm writing this to you so that your joy may be complete. And, And man, listen, it may be a while. If nobody's told you this, I want you to hear me straight. God wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to enjoy him. He doesn't want you to be fearful of him in an unhealthy way. He does say to fear him, but not in an unhealthy way, not as some relationship with him. 
God wants your joy to be complete. That means that it's full, it lacks nothing. Now, guys, when we say this, we're not biblical joy is not happiness. See, our happiness is dependent on our outward circumstances. Our joy is the same no matter what our outward circumstances are. So you hear like people like VP and Marie, they get up and they talk about their week. Well, nothing changed. They were still stressed out. Like it was still crazy, but God gave them an inner joy that no matter what was happening around them, they had a relationship and joy in their relationship with God. So as you experience a relationship with Jesus, guys, you will enjoy your relationship with God. You got to do two things. Number one, you got to know Jesus, like really know him, not know about him. You got to know him. And number two, you got to experience fellowship. Those are the two things. If you want to live a joyful life with God, where God is not just ruling over you or some religion or some Sunday morning you may or may not get to, then you enter a cycle of guilt. If you want your relationship with God to be joyful, you got to know Jesus and you got to experience fellowship. And often when we are joyless, those are usually the first two things to go. When we are experiencing a lack of joy, we decide to distance ourselves from God. When we're experiencing a lack of joy, we start to distance ourselves from the church. And guys, that, that's literally the two things that God has given to us as good gifts to help us enjoy knowing God and having a relationship with him. Worship team, I'll invite you guys to go ahead and come up, but um, as they do, I want to show you, I brought this uh, jar with me, and it represents our joy, okay? And our joy right now is full. It is complete, okay? And what's going to happen is most of the time I leave church full of joy. I don't know about you, but I leave church, and my little extrovert heart is just bursting out of my body. I'm like, man, I loved every minute of that. I just I only got to talk to 50 people. Like, I, I, I missed people, you know? I was like, man, I hope they're okay. I didn't get a chance to, like, touch them, you know? And so I, I, I worry about that. But, guys, like, I look... And what ends up happening is when we leave here, there are things that are waiting to steal our joy, okay? And, and here's what happens. Pretty soon, the number one thing that steals our joy is sin. Sin. And what happens is we start to make decisions, we start to make choices, and we pour our joy out so that we can participate in sin and guys i'm not here to make you feel guilty or bad the bottom line is satan he does that better than me what i'm trying to show you is that guys every time we participate in sin we pour our joy we sacrifice joy in our relationship with god you know what else happens and i don't experience this but i just call it drama oh do you yeah. You know, some disunity in relationships, some division, some text messages that went wayside, some glances that you didn't appreciate, some, some, we haven't talked about it, but I think they're mad at me and I'm not sure. So now we just avoid each other. And now it's been two years. So it'd be super awkward if I tried to have a conversation about it. Am I preaching to anybody today? You ever experienced that? some disunity, and you know what happens? We sacrifice our joy. 
We sacrifice our joy. We, we pour our joy out. You know what else takes our joy? Love of the world. We say, man, I just, I love my material stuff. I love my car. I love my house. I want to climb the ladder. You are totally, your heart is totally sold out to winning the game of the world instead of following Jesus. And we start passion to know him more and experience fellowship with him. So what happens is we sacrifice joy when we're trying to chase stuff of the world. And that becomes more important to us than the ways of God. You know, the last thing is, uh, is when we give in to false teachings. We sacrifice our joy with false teachings. You know, it's interesting. I've been around the world. I remember one time I was in this uh, village in India. And while I was there, I was with a group of about 10 or 15 pastors. And uh, they were starting churches in all these villages throughout mountainsides of India. It was beautiful. And they all came to me. You know the number one question they had? They'd hand me their cell phone and they'd say, Pastor, watch this. And I'd watch it and it'd be some false teacher on YouTube. And then they would look at me and say, good or bad? And I would say, bad. They would say, oh no. Oh no, I just preached that. And I would look at them and I'd go, bad. And then we would open up the Bible and we'd talk about it. It was beautiful. And they would look at me and say, but we thought America was Christian nation. Why they not teach the Bible? I say, yeah, I know. Because here's the bottom line. A lot of the stuff that's going to show up first on your algorithm on YouTube and get the most hits and the stuff on TikTok that's coming at you and the stuff on Instagram that's coming at you, it, it, just because they're up there preaching, even preaching the Bible does not mean it's true. And guys, when we give in to that stuff, when we give in to buying you know, conspiracies and we give in to things that are not in the Bible and we give in to all this stuff in our life, guys, we are sacrificing joy. Guys, Jesus wants your joy to be complete. And so what we do over time is we begin to repent. And when we repent, that just means we walk away from. We walk away from our sin. And we gain joy. We walk away from division in relationships by confronting them, by loving one another, by forgiving and erasing people's debts that they've done against us. And we gain joy joy and then we start to love the world less we sell our car we sell our house we get rid of the things that have chains on us we say god i'll do whatever career you want me to have instead of climb the ladder and we gain joy and we get rid of false teachings and we stick to the bible and we read it for ourselves and trust the holy spirit and our joy is made complete. And Jesus comes and seals it. And we have a past complete. Would you guys pray with me? Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church.
Until next time, keep living the dream.